So this new series today is called Swipe Righteous. Swipe Righteous. I'm really excited. We're going to talk about sex and dating and relationships. It's going to be good for everyone. If you're like, I'm already married, it's going to help you in your marriage, all right? It will help. If you're a parent, it's going to help you parent your children. You need to know the content of this sermon is PG-13. So if you have a young child in here as a parent, it's up to your discretion. I'm not going to be unnecessarily crass, but we are going to keep it real. Is that all right? If you need to take one of your children out of the room, that's why we have kids ministry, so I can encourage you to do that. Um, the subject of swiping right has to do with an online online dating app uh, called Tinder. Uh, so that's one of the major ones where you create a profile if you want to meet people, and the app will show you other people's pictures. I know some of you know what I'm talking about. And uh, if you see someone you don't like, uh, you're not interested in physically, you swipe left. Like, eh, no. If you see someone you do like, someone you find attractive, you swipe right. Like, bing, 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 I choose you. What happens is if that person ends up swiping right on your profile, you have a match. And then you're allowed to start talking. You can meet up. Uh, you can exchange bodily fluids. What could possibly go wrong? So I remember when online dating first became a thing. It's not that long ago that the internet invaded our world and brought us a lot of good things, but also a lot of struggles. And Christians especially, I remember, always struggled uh, with online dating. How, how many of you remember Christians asking, is it okay for us to date online? I would ask Christians, like, how'd you guys meet? And they'd be like, come, come here. <laughs> I was like, I'm like, what's up, what's wrong? They're like, we met on eHarmony. I'm like, is that it? Like, are you Russian spies? Why are we whispering? But people weren't sure. Like, is that allowed? Are, are we allowed to meet online? Listen, there's nothing long, wrong with dating online. There's nothing uh, bad about that. It can actually be pretty convenient. Convenient way to screen out losers, you know? There's nothing wrong with that, but there is a problem that exists today. And I'll be honest, um, I didn't realize how bad it was. I watched a documentary recently about how people are using apps like Tinder to meet people and to hook up for casual sex. Just meet and greet really quick, don't even know the person, exchange fluids, have sex, and then part ways, never talk again. This is not the way it's supposed to be. These types of behaviors, as crazy as they sound, have been going on for thousands of years, even in ancient times. And so what the Word of God says about sexual immorality is very applicable to our lives today. So I'm going to start at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. It says, With the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do. In other words, don't live like godless people, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So this talk is going to be kind of heavy. 
and we're going to talk about some real sins that many of us have committed. Me too. It could bring up a painful history or memory for some of you, and I, I don't want to burden you today, but what I want is to allow the truth to set us free. I, I need you to understand, I, I, w- I was not looking forward to preaching this message in many ways. When I started to prepare it, I, I had a moment where I put my head down and, and Amy was like, what's wrong? And I was like, I don't want to do this. Like, I don't want my mind to have to even consider some of these things. But I know that what God wants is to expose the darkness by bringing light, which sets people free from lies and from bondage. This needs to be addressed so that We can help people who are currently trapped in sin and help other people avoid the snares of the devil. This is not going to be a sermon about what you've done, but who you can become, about what God wants for you. And there is nothing broken in your life that God cannot make new. I need you to know that right up front. So the purpose of this series is to help you throw off your old sinful nature. Say, throw it off and put on your new nature, you were created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So this first message is gonna be kind of important and and a little heavier because I think before we start talking about dating and what to look for in a guy, what to look for in a girl, those things, we need to talk about sexuality. This first message is called the hookup. The hookup. We live in a hookup culture and people use apps like Tinder to just ramp up and speed up their sexual desire. Many people are maintaining a rotation of multiple sexual partners at any one time. It's not uncommon today for people to meet up and have sex on their first encounter, let alone a third date. This is where our culture is at. People just exchange this sexual experience thinking it's just casual, that it's no big deal. They can be friends with benefits. They're just blowing off steam. When it comes to marriage, the culture would say, you definitely wouldn't want to marry someone before you have sex with them. How will you know if you like them or not? Our system is broken, though. The world system is broken. As Ephesians says, our world is hopelessly confused. Their hearts have been hardened. Their eyes are blinded by darkness. So they don't even understand how broken the system is. They don't want to acknowledge that, but it is broken. And we see the brokenness all around us. One out of four marriages end in divorce. Maybe you grew up hearing the statistic, half of all marriages end in divorce. The numbers actually become a lower, a lower number. Now it's only one out of four, but that's not because marriage is stronger. It's because less people are getting married. In America, every single day, 3,000 babies are aborted because of unwanted pregnancy. 40% of children who are born are born out of wedlock today. The culture says, oh yeah, this is all totally fine, but we know it's not fine. It's not fine because people are emptier and lonelier than they've ever been before with more sexuality but less stability. Just because the culture says it's normal doesn't mean that it's beneficial for you. I would come to tell you that the world's way is the wrong way. And what I want to help you do is choose the right way, the righteous way. So we're going to talk about God's plan first. Genesis chapter 2 verse 24, talking about relationships and the first relationship between Adam and Eve. 
It says, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. How amazing is this? First chapter in the Bible, very first thing discussed is the creation of the universe. Seems like a very logical place to start, if you ask me. Uh, Maybe you're wondering, as a Christian, is sex important? I don't know. Second chapter in the Bible, people are getting naked. (laughs) Must be pretty important. And so we see in this passage the foundation for a healthy relationship. Man leaves his parents' household. That's a a note. All the parents said, amen, amen. Leave my house. You gotta go establish your own thing. It doesn't mean you have to be rich, but you gotta establish your own thing. Um, And then he is united to his wife. The Bible says the two become one. That is an image of a lifelong committed relationship. And then what we see from this passage from the Bible is they enjoy sex with each other. It's not just for procreation. It says they were naked and they felt no shame. They were like, we like this. That's very different than the world's way, isn't it? The world's way, much more common, is dude lives in his parents' basement, hooks up with someone he doesn't even care about to live out his pornographic fantasies without any commitment whatsoever, And then at the end of the act, they both feel a lot of shame and guilt and emptiness and loneliness. The world says it's just a hookup. And in a manner of speaking, they're right. It's a hookup. Check out this picture. It's a hookup, isn't it? It's a hookup. The way people talk about sex and think about people and how they might use people for their own selfish pleasure. Like people are just a a hunk of meat that happens to talk. Like, oh, oh, yeah, I like that rack of ribs. Let me get a little bit of that rump roast. I want some of that breast meat. Need a little bit of that thigh action, right? This is how people think about each other when it comes to just hooking up, like walking into a butcher shop and just selecting a piece of meat for my own selfish pleasure. To the person who wants to hook up with you, you're just a piece of meat. Maybe you never thought about it like this before. If you're going around looking to hook up with people outside of marriage, you're treating that person like just a hunk of meat rather than a person with a soul. So when you hook up with someone randomly, anyone who you haven't said, till death do us part, what you're doing is you're sinking your hooks into each other. And it's not for consummation, but for consumption. When we get married, you talk about consummating the marriage by sleeping together. If you look up the definition of consummation, it's very interesting. It means to achieve, to complete, to make perfect. When two people come together, they consummate their marriage. They are completing the marriage. They're making it perfect. They're achieving something amazing together. But consumption sounds similar, but very different meaning. It's to destroy, to waste, to devour, to use as a customer. People are not intended for our consumption. People who wanna hook up with you, they don't care about your heart, they don't care about your soul, your emotions, or your dreams. They just wanna sink their hooks into you for temporary pleasure. And and they might even take you out to feed you before they take you home to feed on you. But they don't care about you. This is not the behavior of people who love one another and care about one another. The world will say, hey, as long as there are two consenting adults, there's no harm. But is that true? We all know that there is harm. 
Because when you rip the hook out of that piece of meat, you can't help but take a little bit of flesh with you. Anytime you hook up with someone who isn't your spouse, that person takes a little bit of you with them. They're consuming you. They're destroying you. They're wasting your value. They're using you like a piece of meat. And then once they get what they want, they discard the leftovers like scraps to leave you to pick up the pieces, to deal with the fallout of shame and guilt and sexually transmitted disease and unwanted pregnancy. That's why in 1 Corinthians 6.18, the Apostle Paul says this, run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Amen, somebody? Who lives in you and was given to you by God. You do not belong to yourself. For God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. There is something particularly dangerous about Sexual immorality, it's the only sin in the Bible where God says, run from this sin. There's a myth among people that would say, all sins are equal to God. Not true. All sins are not equal to God. There are some sins that God hates because God hates what damages you. And sexual immorality, this passage says, damages you. It hurts you unlike any other sin. We know that's true. We see the evidence of that all around us in our culture. Every day, 55,000 people are infected with an STD. Every day. Every day in the United States, we see many, many people suffer from abortion and the fallout from that. The Center for Disease Control says that teenagers who are sexually active are more likely to be depressed and suicidal. Doesn't that just defy logic? But what God says is true. So all sins are equally damning. They all equally disqualify us from God's standard of righteousness, but they're not equally damaging. God wants to warn us against damaging sins like this. He doesn't want us to experience the destructive and shameful nature of sex outside of marriage. He wants us to experience sex inside of marriage, which is shameless and delightful. It's so much better to choose God's way, the righteous way, amen? When you have sex with someone you're married to, you don't have to worry about bringing home an STD. When you're faithful to one another, you don't have to worry about an unplanned pregnancy, You might worry about your budget a little bit, but you don't have to worry if that person's gonna leave you high and dry to raise that kid on your own. That's the better way. When you have sex in marriage, you're saying, I'm gonna be with you for life through thick and thin. We're committed to each other. We're two people who have become one. This sex is a physical expression of our spiritual intimacy and commitment. So it's good, it's enjoyable. We can be naked and no shame. That's God's way. And so it's so important that we know God's instructions, his plan for a healthy relationship. We need to follow the instructions, people. Listen to me, men. You need to follow these instructions. You can't even put together a dresser from Ikea without following the instructions. You are not going to put together a relationship between two complex human beings without following God's instructions. You don't want that relationship. It will look like Frankenstein's monster. It'll be scary. It will hurt people. God's way is better. There is no room for sexual immorality in your life, church. 
You were bought with a high price. God the Father gave his only son, Jesus Christ, to redeem you from slavery to sin. You are too valuable to give yourself away for free to people who do not care about you. So we reject the hookup culture. As God's people, we say, I I can see why it might appeal to you, but we know the truth that it will actually harm you. We're not gonna go that way. We're gonna listen to what God says. Run from sexual immorality. It's not worth it. I see the truth now. That person doesn't actually care about me. I'm gonna reject their approach. That's not a person I wanna have a relationship with. I'm gonna do it God's way. Okay, so we talked about the hookup. Now we're gonna talk about the virtual hookup. Pornography, which is going to be a problem for a lot more people. Modern pornography came to America from France and really took off once they were able to make pictures. And then once video became a thing, uh, then it started to really spread. Um, And then once the internet came on the scene, pornography exploded. Today, one third of all data transferred on the internet is pornography. One-third of all data transferred on the internet is pornography. 70% of that is consumed by men, 30% by females. So it's not just a man's problem. The world says it's normal. It's just normal sexual expression. Uh, There might even be Christians in our service. I would wager that there are Christians in our services right now who are using pornography, might not even know that it's a problem, maybe not even that worried about it. But remember, just because the world says it's normal doesn't mean that it's beneficial. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 28, Jesus said, But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Pornography didn't exist on the internet in Jesus' day, but the principle remains the same, that what you do, what you look at, and what happens in your heart is just as serious to God as what you physically do, as who you touch, what activities you engage in, because God looks at our heart. So even if you keep these things hidden in your mind and in your heart, God still sees them, and he really is concerned with this issue. So let me just mention this. It's not a sin to be attracted to someone who is good-looking. It's not a sin to notice that someone is good-looking. I, I know Christians who they walk around feeling so guilty. They're like, oh, I, just can't, I just can't stop noticing good-looking people. You know, I just, see, I just see them everywhere. And I'm just like, oh, man. And the thing is, like, you can't help but notice if someone is good-looking. God designed you to notice that. It's even okay to say, like, man, that person really attractive. That's not a sin. What's a sin is when that turns into lust. And you start to dwell on, what's lust, Pastor Ryan? It's when you desire to take something that doesn't belong to you. Lust is when you desire to use someone for your own selfish purposes without their well-being. That's lust. And when you start to lust after someone, looking at them and, and longing for something that doesn't belong to you, for someone who is not yours, then that is a problem. That is, that is wrong. That is a sin. And what happens is that pornography stokes the fires of lust. People that use pornography on a regular basis, their brain just starts to see pornography everywhere they go. They walk through the mall and they're fantasizing about people they see. They go to the gym and they're checking out people. And I know I'm not surprising anyone when I say this. So when the world says, what's the harm? We're just looking. It doesn't hurt anyone. That's not true. 
In James chapter 1, verse 14, it says this, temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. There's the idea there of you being captured and dragged away to destruction. These desires give birth to sinful actions. In other words, what you hide in your heart will eventually come out in your actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. You cannot contain this sin and keep it neat and tidy and hidden away. It will eventually grow and grow, becoming uglier and more destructive in your life. Sin always takes you further than you wanted to go, keeps you longer than you wanted to stay, and costs you more than you wanted to pay. Sin, when it is allowed to grow, gives birth to death. And pornography leads to death. Pornography will kill you. I want to explain some of the ways that happens. First, porn rewires your brain. It is a scientific fact. God intended for you to find a naked person exciting and pleasing. Like, he made you that way. See a naked person, and your body starts to react to that. You get excited, your brain releases a bunch of dopamine, which makes you feel good, and God designed you to have that experience, but he wanted you to have that experience with only your spouse. Not a whole catalog of people on the internet. And so what happens is as dopamine is releasing your brain, one of the interesting things is that it cements memories into your brain. So people who struggle with porn, if you're like, oh, I can't get those images out of my brain, that's because you saw those things during this dopamine rush. This porn causes you to feel good. Uh, when you look at it, it causes a rush of chemicals in your body. And so when we experience a dopamine rush like this, quickly our brain learns this is the way to feel good. I should go back to this thing. And you form in your brain what's called a neural pathway way. Synaptic connections form. Your brain learns this is the way to feel good. I need to go back to this thing. If it's ice cream, you'll go back to ice cream. If it's drugs, you'll go back to drugs. If it's pornography, you'll go back to pornography. The problem is that eventually you start to develop a tolerance to porn. The way that a drug addict develops a tolerance to drugs. You become desensitized to what you're saying. And so the images that used to give you a rush no longer do. And so you start to look for more and more extreme and novel images to cause that same rush, which then leads you down a pathway into more demonic activity than you ever would have thought possible. No one just keeps looking at softcore porn forever. It eventually turns into hardcore porn and darker and darker things. Images that contain violence and rape and incest and child molestation. Things that people would have said, I would never want to see that. Pornography leads you to that place because sin, when it is allowed to grow, gives birth to death. And so the superficial satisfaction that comes from pornography quickly fades and it leaves behind feelings of loneliness and emptiness and shame and guilt, which lead to depression and anxiety. And those feelings lead a person back to pornography looking to feel good again, which then repeats the cycle again and again down the path to self-destruction. God is anti-porn because he's anti-shame and he's for you. He hates anything that hurts you. Porn, it rewires our brain, it damages our community. Porn damages your community. And much of the degeneration of society can be traced directly back to pornography. I believe that. How did our nation become so sexually permissive and devious in just 
20, 30 years, I would say because of the uptick in pornography use. Because it used to be just 20, 30 years ago, there were things that the culture, not Christians, even the world would look at and say, that's sick, that's wrong. But that's not happening today in the same way, is it? Why? Because when everyone has their own hidden fetish online, how are they gonna judge someone else's thing? And so we just go further and further down that path. Pornography leads to an increase in child abuse, sexual slavery, trafficking. Porn's a major factor in the development of sexual predators. It causes adultery, and it leads to divorce, a major factor in divorce. So I want to say this very clearly. There is no place for pornography in your marriage. Okay? The world says, oh, that might just be a fun way to spice up your marriage and rekindle the flame. It'll cause a flame, all right, and burn your marriage to the ground. So if someone you're married to comes and talks about, oh, wait, we should look at some porn. That is a red flag, my friends. That person needs to get some help. Porn, it will hinder your success. God designed you to enjoy sexuality, but after a series of events takes place, after you date your spouse, how many of you know it's expensive to date? It takes a lot of time and a lot of work and a lot of sacrifice. After you marry your spouse, it's hard to get married these days. It takes a lot of planning, takes a lot of event coordination. And then, and then once you are married, you gotta put in the work to kindle a healthy, intimate relationship. That's hard work, isn't it? All the guys can say amen if they want. I'm not gonna judge you. <laughs> takes a lot of work, takes a lot of patience, takes a lot of effort. Everything about pornography is geared, though, to provide instant satisfaction with no self-discipline, no sacrifice, no self-control, no sense of delayed gratification. It's just, I want what I want, and I want it now. It, this undisciplined, self-centered lifestyle, it leads people to uh, miss out on the success they could experience. In fact, research shows this objectively, that people with pornography addictions are less successful in their relationships, in their careers, and in their finances because they've developed this undisciplined lack of self-control as a way of living. Porn actually steals your sexual satisfaction, which I think is sadly ironic that people become so addicted to pornography that it's very common, they actually will lose the desire to have sex with a real person. No longer even interested in that. So there's this new phenomenon today of young men in their 20s ordering erectile dysfunction drugs off the internet because they cannot perform with a real human being without pornography. But the culture says it's totally fine. This is normal. It's obviously not. Porn, most importantly, will poison your relationship with God. And I know that there are Christians in our services right now who feel ashamed and far from God because of pornography use. There are people who come to our services who, who uh, feel shame and guilt the whole time because you're using porn in secret. And you think nobody knows because you cleared your browser history. God knows. God knows. And you need to become free from this addiction. You need to break free. And we want to shine a light on this sin. Nothing can be healed or restored when you keep it hidden in the darkness. 
So this sermon is not to condemn you, but to lovingly call you to repentance. You can experience forgiveness and restoration to God. It's time for a change. Amen. Come on. You cannot have the joy of the Lord in your heart and a pornography addiction at the same time. And God came that you would have joy. Jesus came to earth that you would have joy, that his joy would be in you. And so pornography is stopping you from the joy that God wanted you to have. That's why in Job 31, he says, I made a covenant with my eyes to not look lustfully at a young woman. It's so important that he had to make a promise with his eyes. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go there. It's a big deal because when sin is allowed to grow, it leads to death. It gives birth to death. Porn is addictive like a drug. It's just destructive like a poison. It will ruin your relationships, rob you of joy, and deny you intimacy with Jesus Christ. It could ultimately destroy your life. You cannot achieve your purpose or potential while you're poisoning your soul with pornography. We have an epic mission as a church to rescue the lost, to bring light to the darkness. You cannot storm the gates of hell with your pants around your ankles. You're meant for better things. So there's no place for pornography in the life of a Christ follower. Porn is just a virtual hookup. Just like walking into that butcher shop. Oh yeah, let me get a little bit of that meat. Oh yeah, yeah, I'd like to get some of that. It's just, it's just looking at people like they're for your consumption, right? And in a butcher shop, the meat comes from an animal that was actually designed by God for our consumption. No offense to the vegans in the room. But that's, that's not what people, like people are made in God's image and uniquely valuable. They're created for devotion, to be loved. And, and realize this church, that pornography allows Satan to sink his hooks into you. That's the real hookup that's happening with sexual immorality. Satan is sinking his hooks into you. And I wanna say this very clearly and I use this word on purpose. All pornography is satanic because Satan wants to steal your joy. He wants to rob you of God's blessing. He wants to destroy you. And that's what pornography does. What C.S. Lewis said is that love is the great conqueror of lust. How do I overcome lust? By love. Understanding that God loves you and he loves you exactly as you are even when you have sinful moments. So he doesn't want you to live your life ashamed that you struggle with lust. And then you have to understand that God loves other people. He loves the person in that pornographic image that you're tempted to lust after. He loves the person in that video. When you start to think that way, it will change your entire thought process. Like, oh man, I wonder if that person knows how much God loves her. I wonder what happened to her that led her to this place. It really takes the joy out of pornography use. You need to understand that God loves you and he wants you to be free. He wants you to be whole and blessed. And what the enemy does, what the devil does is lies to you and says that if other people knew what you were struggling with in secret, they would not love you. And that is a lie from the enemy. I need you to understand this. This church family, we love you. And so we're here to help you conquer this struggle. We're here to help you. And we're not going to judge you 
or condemn you if you struggle with this issue. The furthest thing from the truth. We're here to love you and encourage you and support you. And if you fall down, we're going to help pick you back up. And we'll help pick you up as many times as it takes. Because that's what Jesus does for us. We're going to provide support and tools to help you in this journey. So um, something I've been wanting to do for a while is start a life group that's specifically to support people who are struggling with pornography. We're using a curriculum called Conquer. And it it will give you so many practical tools to overcome this issue. Or if you're a parent and you're trying to help your kids um, overcome this issue, this is a great life group for you. Celebrate Recovery has groups that meet to overcome sexual addiction. Um, We're going to give you information about filters that you can install on your computer and on your phone. And I would recommend you need a filter. If you even think you could be tempted to wrestle with this issue, you need a filter on your phone. You need a filter on your computer. You need a filter on your kids' phones. If you're letting your kids walk around with access to the internet with no control, that's a problem. The average age of pornography exposure is 11 years old. So this is a message, although it's awkward, that I think our young people need to hear. And as a parent, I would leave it to your discretion, but I would encourage you to bring this topic up with your children and to discuss it with them openly. It's better to have this conversation too early than too late. And to open up the communication. You need a filter. So I wanna reemphasize that, right? If I was walking around with a pint of Ben and Jerry's in my hand all day, eventually I would be tempted to eat it. I recommend you have some accountability in your life. We want to help you reject the world's way and choose the righteous way. Ephesians 4, 22, we read it at the beginning. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, there's a better way. There's a new wardrobe that you were intended to wear. Let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature. Step into your new wardrobe. Put on the nature that you were intended to have, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. You can have new thoughts. Scripture says you can be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Maybe you have all kinds of junk in your brain, all kinds of images, and you're thinking, how could I ever get all that out of my brain? I'm so used to going back to lustful thoughts, to images that I've seen. How could I ever overcome this? Do you realize that God will actually renew your mind and transform it? You can overwrite the data in your brain and reformat that hard drive as you start to set your thoughts on what is righteous. And actually, science confirms this, that even as an adult, there's a thing called neuroplasticity. Your brain is flexible, and it can rewire itself. And as you start to think new thoughts, your brain will eventually let go of the old neural pathways and start to form new neural pathways. Do you know that science actually says that when you worship and pray to God, it also releases dopamine in your brain and causes you to feel good? So, when you stop going down that pathway to pornography to feel good about yourself and instead start going towards what is good and what is righteous, you establish a new pathway in your brain, a new place to go to when you need help and when you need comfort and when you need encouragement to the Lord. The good news, listen, church, is that this addiction can be overcome. This issue can be overcome in your life, not by your own determination and willpower, but by the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you. The Holy Spirit inside of you will accomplish what you could never accomplish in a thousand lifetimes of determination. 
and he wants to help you with this issue. You can be free from this. That is the purpose. That is why Jesus came, to set you free. And at the beginning of his ministry, in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, I'll close with this. Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that the captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. I think about this passage as good news for anyone who has suffered the consequences of sexual immorality. That there is good news for you, not bad news. The devil brings bad news. The Lord brings good news. Maybe you feel poor spiritually and emotionally. Maybe you feel bankrupt because so many people have consumed part of you sexually. I need you to understand that God has sent Jesus to restore what was taken from you. He has sent Jesus to release the captives. Any, anyone who feels like a, a captive, like a prisoner to sexual immorality, to lust, right? He has come to set you free. He's come to give sight to the blind. Maybe you're like, I feel so far from God, I can't even see him. Jesus has come to allow you to see God again. Anyone who feels oppressed by what you've done or what's been done to you, Jesus comes to set you free, to release you, to bring you hope. And then I need you to understand this. He didn't just come to give you forgiveness. That's part of it. But Jesus came to bring you the Lord's favor, which is even better. Not just forgiveness lets you off the hook, but Jesus wants to bring you favor. You can have a new nature, church, not defined by sexual failure, but by supernatural favor that you have been adopted into God's family, that Jesus has made you clean. He has restored you. He accomplished what a cleared browser history never could. He actually wiped your sins away and deleted them from the record. When you're forgiven by Jesus in God's eyes, it's like it never happened. So regardless what you've done, what's been done to you through Jesus, you can be restored. You can put on your new nature, which is righteous and holy. That's what God has for you. Let's bow our heads and pray. God, we thank you for your faithfulness and for your word. Lord, we know that the truth is what sets us free, God. So we thank you that today you've led us into this moment to have a difficult conversation for the purpose of bringing restoration and hope to people who are struggling with sexual immorality. We know that you have a better plan for them and a better way for them to go, Lord. And so I pray that as a church family, Lord, we'll be mindful of this issue, that we'll be committed to not looking lustfully with our eyes, but rather setting our eyes on what is good and pleasing, Lord. We wanna think thoughts like your thoughts, Thank you, Jesus, for bringing restoration to someone who feels hurt like damaged goods. We pray for healing. We pray for wholeness and belief for that, Lord. I pray that you bring comfort to someone who's been taken advantage of, that you'd begin to bring peace to their heart now in a supernatural way. Lord, we pray that you would open the eyes of the blind, that the person who feels far from you today, God, would see you and your love in a new and powerful, life-changing way. Thank you, Lord, not just for your forgiveness, but for your favor. You have brought us blessing. You've brought us protection. You brought us favor, God. 
So we receive that through Jesus. And I just wanna pray for anyone who might be at church today who does not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. All this forgiveness, this favor, this freedom comes through a relationship with Jesus. It happens when you place your faith in him and believe for him to save you. You trust him to save you. Understanding I can't save myself. I can't be good enough to save myself. I'll never earn or deserve God's love. I have to receive it as a gift given out of God's goodness and grace. If you're ready to receive that, the way you receive it is by trusting Jesus, believing in your heart and confessing that he died on the cross for your sins. Why would he do that? Because God loves you. Believing that he rose again from the grave. He did that as a sign of the eternal life that's available to you, that if you believe in Jesus, you'll never really die. And that we can follow him, we can commit ourselves to walking through life with him, understanding that his ways are better than our ways, that even when we fail, he'll continue to love us and walk beside us, that we cannot cause him to abandon us, but we just continue to follow him and grow. He leads us in this process and we start to become more and more like him. If you're ready to begin that relationship today, maybe you've never had that relationship with God or you wanna renew that relationship for the first time in a long time, I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. Just pray this prayer with me. Just say, God, I need you. I know that I've sinned and I need your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I believe that he rose again so that I could have eternal life. I wanna follow him from this day forward. I promise to follow you, Lord, and I wanna receive your love. Thank you for loving me this way. In Jesus' name, amen.